0: Knock, knock. Who's there?
1: Interrupting cow.
0: Interrupting no. cow. <laughs> so this is my five-year-old. She's coloring. You can probably hear the crayons on the paper there. But she's also telling me her favorite joke and making up variations of her favorite joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting puppy. Interrupting no. pup. <laughs>
1: Okay, so I have a joke like that too. Okay, but you have to be Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I do? Okay. (laughs) I will. Knock knock.
0: Who's there?
1: Interrupting Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy.
0: Interrupting Supreme Court. Order in the move. One decision. Well suppose there there were three unrelated cases. Pardon? Suppose there were three unrelated cases, but the statute To be clear, that was Anthony Kennedy interrupting the notorious RBG during oral arguments at the Supreme Court. And you might not have even heard Justice Ginsburg there because she barely got a chance to talk. I, I inadvertently interrupted Justice Ginsburg, uh, but in the, in the 19 cases here, you, you don't did find he, that?
1: Problem? Did he just say he interrupted her and then he kept talking anyway?
0: Yes. And this pattern of interruption happens a lot. It started with the first woman on the Supreme Court, Sandra Day O'Connor, in the early 80s. So when Justice O'Connor was the sole female justice on the court, she was interrupted about three times as often as each of her male colleagues were
1: interrupted. This is university law professor Tanya Jacoby. She studied oral arguments for the Supreme Court over the last 15 years. And she found that women justices still get interrupted more than the men justices.
0: Nowadays, for example, in 2015 term, it's slightly higher, but basically the three female justices are interrupted about three times as often as each of the six male justices. Uh, And even though uh, Justice Thomas doesn't actually count, so he doesn't actually speak, but we still counted him. So it's actually (laughs) slightly higher than that. Tonya Jacoby also found the men attorneys arguing at the Supreme Court interrupted the women justices, too. Only the women justices. And attorneys are actually subordinate to the justices. It was just so jarring because here you have Supreme Court justices, these powerful women, and they're being interrupted constantly, including by their subordinates. And it was just, I found it really galling. Eula, have you ever been interrupted or talked over at work? No. I know, me neither. I can't relate to this at all. Right, <laughs> at all.
1: All those issues the women Supreme Court justices face, trying to get a word in, how we're perceived when we do, we all face that. And that's, that's the, the battle. battle today. Right. That's what I said. And we've got... Tactics! I get Okay, I get it. I see what you're doing here. Sorry. This is Battle Tactics. For
0: your sexist workplace.
1: I'm Eula Scott Bino.
0: I'm Jeannie Yandel.
1: And yes... The workplace is sexist.
0: Even if you hold the floor at every meeting.
1: And even if you're calling into the meeting from bed. So, thanks to Tani Jacoby, we have evidence that even if you're a Supreme Court Justice and you're a woman, expect to struggle to get your ideas out. There's a word for that.
2: So I scoured the internet for a video to talk about because that's what I do when I'm bored. And I came across this word, Mantorruption. Then I said, that's a dumb word. It sounds like mansplaining. And I was right. It is a dumb word.
1: Oh, hello, random guy from the internet. So glad you could join us. Anything
2: else you'd like to say? Mansplaining and manspreading are guilty as well. All three of these words are just two words smashed together to make women in the first world seem so oppressed.
0: I have an idea. Why don't we talk to an actual linguist? Deborah Tannen is a professor of linguistics at Georgetown University. She's thought a lot about the word man's interruption, too, and she says it's a pretty common
2: linguistic phenomenon. You can change the meaning of just about any word by taking a piece of a word from another context. We saw this, for example, from Watergate. You could add the word gate to just about any political scandal. Let me quick, what are a few of those other gates that we got? Pantygate. Um, pardon? Gamergate.
1: So <laughs> I watched too much Real Housewives of New York. I don't
2: recognize
0: or, those. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> On the no. Real
1: Housewives of Beverly Hills, there was a woman who uh, kept talking about another woman's underwear and they called it Pantygate the whole season. It's, it was silly. It was very Maybe silly. Maybe not
2: everybody would recognize that. <laughs> no, and I hope, I hope I'm the only person
1: watching this terrible TV. I really do. So, Clearly, Deborah Tannen has better things to do with her time, like <laughs> write books. Okay, so her most recent book is called You're the Only One I Can Tell Inside the Language of Women's Friendships. She says adding the word man to a verb has
2: a lot of additional meaning. You're making it something that men in particular habitually do. And there's kind of an implication that it's aggressive, domineering, and that women are probably not crazy about it. Deborah has been researching how we
1: communicate for decades. Jeannie, have you ever heard that thing about how men refuse to ask for directions?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been in a car with my dad before.
1: So, Deborah was the first researcher to uncover the phenomenon of men refusing to ask for directions when they're lost.
0: Huh. That's super impressive, actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: And when it comes to interrupting one another, how and why it happens, she's learned that's not
0: always about gender. Right. Deborah says interruptions happen for many reasons. There are regional differences in the way we talk, everything from how fast we talk to how comfortable we
2: are with silence. And of course, there are cultural differences too. But all things being equal, if you don't have those kinds of differences, then it it is the case that men will more likely interrupt women. There's a lot of research supporting this.
0: There's a study from the 1970s looking at conversations between men and women And in each conversation they studied, men are responsible for all but one interruption. Okay, so the 70s.
1: Anything more current?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you asked. There's another study from 2014 finding women are more likely to be interrupted by both men and other women. And there's a study of the tech industry from 2015 finding men interrupt twice as much as women and are three times more likely to interrupt women as other men.
1: If you want more examples of this... Ugh, just turn on your TV. On. Abandon What's a candidate on? or abandon their convictions. Okay. Please don't do this, it really uh, annoys me. You know, I don't, I really don't interrupt
2: you, and you do this in, completely. Listen, think I think a lot about what worked and how we can make it work again. Well, he approved now. New job, a balanced NAFTA, budget. Which is the single worst trade incomes, deal ever approved in incomes. this country. Hey, hey Kelly. Hey, hey, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, Qual- go ahead. Cal- Calm
0: down a bit here, Kelly. Let me answer the question.
1: And of course, here's the interruption heard around the world. Go, Taylor. I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time.
0: It's worth pointing out that Kanye was not wrong there. (laughs) But still. I know. (laughs) Okay, so some of this pattern
1: of interruption comes from our traditional gender roles for men and women, where women are supposed to be more subordinate and let men take the lead.
2: Um, there, There was one man that I talked to who was a competitive sailor. And he said that he would always start the race looking for a boat that was skippered by a woman or an older man, because if he bore down on them, they'd give way. And I think that's some kind of parallel to what happens in conversation. Part of it, I think, is just this sense that men stand out as if in bold when people are in a room together. And the women can kind of recede from people's awareness. They're they're printed in in plain type. Here's an example. Many women find if they are in a very high position uh, in in the workplace and they go into a meeting with a male, either um, peer or subordinate, people will start talking to the man and not to them. Right. Yes. Um, And quite a few women have told me they had to either never take a guy along who was subordinate, Or call attention very early on in a very obvious way that they were the ones that people should talk to. What role does power play in whether women get heard
0: and get paid attention to and get credit and get to finish their sentences?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think at every moment, power dynamics, that is who's up, who's down, um, affect the interaction as well as all the other human elements uh, that are that are present at the time. So gender is one. Ethnicity is one. I think you'll often find that the, the people who are of minority background will be more inclined to be ignored. Uh, if there's a white person in the room, people are going to assume that's the person who has a higher rank and has more power.
0: But when women try to pull focus back to themselves so they can be heard, they face what Deborah calls the
2: double bind. That's a situation where you have two requirements that you must fulfill, but anything you do to fulfill one actually violates the other. If
1: you're a woman who wants to be heard, you're damned if you talk and you're damned if you don't. And if you're a boss,
2: you've got it tougher as as a boss, as a manager, she should be self-confident, she should take the floor she should be definite, she should be self-promoting she should let you know everything she's done and everything she's good at and all those things are, at odds with how we expect women to talk. They should be self-deprecating. They should downplay their accomplishments. um, They should do a good job, but expect that other people will see it. Otherwise, they seem aggressive, ambitious. All of this plays out when women get interrupted, too. If a woman gets interrupted, she will seem to have less authority. People will have less respect for her, less admiration for her.
0: Okay, so think of this as like a sexist lasagna. Delicious and oppressive? Yes. With basil. So you're already more likely to get cut off and talked over because you're a woman. And oh, if you, layers. Yes, layers. And if you let people interrupt you too much, nobody will respect you. If you push back on interruption, people could see you as too aggressive. But remember, you also have to do an amazing job, but you better not boast about it. And number
1: one, I'm a proven entity. And I don't have any problem saying that. This is Keita Williams <laughs> boasting of it because she totally earned it. She does PR for tech companies, has a podcast called Successfully, and runs her own business with the same name. And she has what she called mock-level confidence. Right.
0: <laughs> but she wasn't always like that. She had to endure meetings like this one she told us about from early on in her career.
1: I was in a uh, brainstorm and the agency that I worked for, we had a full design studio. So it was like the designers, which were all like cool, hip guys with lots of tattoos. So the goal of the meeting was to brainstorm ideas for the launch of a new mobile device, like a phone or a tablet. Right. And Kita was her team's expert on mobile devices. She was the one at the table who could take the thing apart and put it back together. I went to I I presented an idea like here's just a thought because like these how this is how these devices work. And the creative director did the point and shush.
0: Okay, for clarity here, Kita, the mobile device expert, was shushed like a child in front of her entire team, none of whom spoke up for her.
1: And I remember being red-faced furious. My ears were hot, like that full body anger. Kita spent the rest of her day in a total funk. I, I believe there might have been margaritas after this one. The worst kind of margaritas, the kind where you're crying into them and blaming yourself for what happened. And then I, I turned the mirror on myself like, well, you know, could I have said this differently? Did I offend him? Um, you know, like, should I just send him an email about this? And in the reality, it was, you know, he didn't necessarily value my point of view.
0: The thing is, Keita's gotten interrupted a lot in meetings. And for a long time, she blamed herself for that.
1: And as a junior staffer, I feel like I spend a lot of time preparing for things where like, well, maybe I'm not delivering it correctly. Maybe I need to flush this out a little more. You know, like it's like double dutch. I got to jump in and I got, you know, I got to quick feet and then jump out. Maybe I'm being too wordy. Um, maybe I need maybe my my ideas need to be a little more um, uh, well-rounded. And talking to her coworkers about what happened in those meetings did not help. Most of them told her it wasn't that bad. So she was having the same experience out of meetings and in meetings. Nobody was hearing her. Oh, yeah, I had my cloak of invisibility on the whole meeting. The entire meeting I was invisible. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> what do you mean when you say cloak of invisibility? Oh Well, you, you know, the, uh, the idea of being not heard. You're there, but you're not heard or the idea could not be yours. But even when Keita was able to drop her cloak of invisibility to try to be heard, She got stuck in that double bind Deborah Tannen told us about. As a woman of color and especially uh, specifically a black woman, in case you all didn't notice that there there are the preconceived notions that you have an attitude problem or that you're being too assertive or too aggressive when you um, when you address things that you find um, unacceptable or that you would not. Would you do that to a white guy? No, you wouldn't. I watched you not do it. Kita eventually moved into leadership at her job. And that's when she realized something. All those times she got talked over and cut off and ignored in meetings, it wasn't her fault. Seeing my juniors experiencing what I experienced in meetings as a junior staffer and going, wait, this is like systemic. This is not an individual thing. This has nothing to do with your personality. It has nothing to do with um, who you are as a, a bright, shiny You know, magical unicorn. It has nothing to do with that. This is this is a societal problem. Kita is all about solutions, of course. So she started thinking about those junior staffers who were getting interrupted. How do I help prepare them for this? And what what tools can I provide? What tools indeed. Keita has a whole, heavy, chock full toolbox at the ready for Wait, us. wait, wait, wait. Okay, so there's one I'm sorry to interrupt you.
0: It's okay. <laughs> so there's one
1: more thing about that shishing story Keita told us. The guy who shished her and her coworkers who didn't stand up for her, none of them could make the mobile device work with their ideas. Oh my God. So, tail between their legs, to Keita's desk they went to ask her to solve their problem.
0: The problem she tried to bring up in the meeting in the first place. Right.
1: Oh, so, you know, this is what, (laughs) what I was trying to tell you in the meeting and that that creative concept isn't going to work because that's not how this phone works. (laughs) So (laughs) that's how it works. (laughs) Did that feel empowering or did that feel even more frustrating that in the end you were so right? It felt validating, but it also was like that validation was way too late, you know, or like yeah, I have already had like five margaritas behind this situation and cried to my best friend and sobbed about it. I can't get that time back. <laughs> you know, like, I, you don't come over to my desk with a box of my time in it. Yeah, so in the end, she's right. But, I mean, what a waste.
0: Totally. Yeesh. Okay, after the break, battle tactics upon battle tactics. To avoid that scenario and get a word in.
1: Okay, so we know people get interrupted all the time and we know women get interrupted more than men. And we know women get penalized if they let interruption slide and if they don't. I mean, that seems fair, right?
0: Yeah, totally fair. But now we get to share tactics for pushing back against interruption and that double bind. I love tactics. It's my favorite part of the show. Me too. (laughs) Battle tactics. Yay. Okay, so but let's start at ground zero for getting interrupted. The meeting. My 5-year-old by the way calls them blah blah meetings. <laughs> anyway, so Keita Williams has the perfect tactic to counter getting interrupted in meetings. She just counts the number of times it happens.
1: That I make little hash marks on my notebook of how many times I've been interrupted. And when I actually have the floor, I go, "So, just want to call out that I've been interrupted 6 times in this meeting, so I would I would love to finish my thought." Wait, did you hear that tone of voice Keita used? She calls that her quiet, storm voice. She purposely uses that low, calm tone of voice when she calls out being interrupted.
0: And there are actually apps that you can use to keep track of interruptions in meetings, too. There's one called Woman Interrupted. There's another one called Time to Talk. We'll list more apps in our newsletter. You can subscribe at KUOW.org BTSW.
1: So Kita has another tactic, one you can use before you go into a meeting. She calls it the pre-meeting like if you have a mentor or um, at least someone on your team that has a little more agency than you, pulling them aside pre-meeting going, hey, I had this thought. I want to make sure we cover it. Mm. Like, I'm you know, I, I got this really great idea. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, you know, it's a little cloak and dagger. But uh, I find that in the times where I prep and I, I pre-meet where possible, that the outcome is a lot better.
0: Kita also says you should get on the agenda of the meeting beforehand. That way, you know you'll have time dedicated for your point.
1: But don't think you're not going to get interrupted still. I mean, all the research tells us you will.
0: That's true. So another tactic Kita recommends and uses is called amplification. It's where you repeat what another woman said, giving them credit, maybe adding a little something to their idea. Kita loves amplification.
1: Oh, I've been implementing that everywhere I go.
0: So we're the three of us are in a meeting. Uh-huh. And we've, you, we've,
1: we've pre-met. Yes, we, we and met. we premet pre-met, of we course. We pre-met.
0: You say something amazing. I repeat it and then add something on. And then you repeat it and oh. add something on. Oh, yeah. So that it's heard three times and yep. given credit for you. Yep. So I love the way that
1: Keita and then and then Jeannie made such a great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the way I see it is to add on. Okay. Boom. Yes. Boom. So I'm giving credit where credit's due. Amplify. Amplification works, guys. Women on President Obama's staff used it during meetings to make sure they were heard. Oh, okay. And if you see something, please just say something. You don't have to have an invite to speak up if you see an interruption. Just point out that it happened and ask the person who was cut off to finish their point.
0: Okay. Now we need to talk to those of you who interrupt. This tactic is for you. We're going to call it the whoa, Nelly. So before you interrupt, stop for a second. Whoa, Nelly. Exactly. Ask yourself why you feel the need to interrupt. If it's because you need more clarity on something, great ask your question efficiently, and then give the floor back to the person you just interrupted. Otherwise, just write down what you want to say and bring it up later. Yeah, so
1: make sure you raid the supply
0: closet. Right, there are post-it notes there.
1: So now we just need to hear how it goes when you use all these tactics.
0: Yes. If you use any of the tactics we talked about in this episode, tell us what happened. I really
1: want to hear these stories. Email us at btsw at kuw.org or if you're a member of our Facebook group, you can post there. And as a reward, we'll send you our No Man Terruptions digital
0: badge. Oh my God, I really hope that this badge involves a sexist lasagna and sad margaritas. <laughs> I can't wait to see what TOR designer comes up with.
1: So I love that, and I also love that our newsletter lists every tactic we just talked about and all the research we mentioned. Totally. Jeannie, we've got each other's backs here, and in mm-hmm. this long uphill battle of fighting sexism at work, one, I'm going to work on interrupting you. And two... Wait,
0: less or more? Less. I just interrupted you. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> and two, I'm still willing to pull my load if you're willing to pull yours.
0: Same, Eula. Same.
1: Battle Tactics for Your sexist Workplace is a production of KUOW in my hometown of Seattle. Our producer is Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. She has all the good ideas.
0: Our editor is Jim Gates. We interrupt him constantly. True. It's really true. And Brendan Sweeney is
1: our managing producer.
0: This podcast was inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club, written by the amazing Jessica Bennett. Our theme music was composed by Kessia Gordon. Keep up the good fight, you guys. See you soon.